Welcome back to the show. Uh, really quick one, Memorial Day weekend. First off, we just finished off a call with Joe Gresh. Uh, it's not connected to Joe Gresh's uh, podcast, but uh, uh, we wanted to make that separate. However, uh, what, a, what a guy he is, AT. Uh, and there's no doubt the emotion pours into his team every single day. He comes out to practice. He was there. I mean, he did it as a player, uh, but incredible guy. Uh, down to earth, and certainly the dab celebration at the end was pretty sick as well. <laughs> I know you saw that. Yeah, no question. I mean, you're not going to find a better human being coaching college across. Uh, you know, guys, unbelievably competitive, uh, but equally as humble. And it's easy to right. see how he can get the guys to play with such passion for him. I mean, he's an easy guy to follow. I was fortunate enough to play for him for one year. Um, and after that season felt that he was the best coach that I had ever played for. And I don't mean that as a knock on, on anybody else. I mean, obviously I played for Hall of Fame coach Tom Starzy, and, you know, he, he was arguably the best coach of all time. Uh, but they were different styles of coaches. You know, Joe Bresch, um, you know, would also challenge your competitive spirit a lot like Don would do. But Joe Bresch, he brought, you know, uh, real current schemes and – uh, I just felt was on the verge of greatness, so it's no surprise to see him where he is today. It's great to see. No doubt. So uh, UNC plays Loyola. Uh, then you got Maryland Brown. How worried are you right now about your Brown Bears, Sands, Dylan Malloy against the Terps, who are on fire? How are you feeling right now? You know what? I'm I'm a little edgy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. You know, look, Dylan Malloy. At let's just say he comes out there and is in a big plastic boot, okay? <laughs> if that's the case, and he's playing at 20%, and they do nothing more than have him just stand over there at 8-8, eight and eight, and he's on the field for transition, he's on the field for extra man, I mean, how is he any different than, you know, a, a one-dimensional finisher slash great-feeding perimeter player who can't dodge? I mean, he's not. And if that allows Bailey Tills to stay up in the midfield for Brown, and that allows Brown's transition offense to be more dangerous, and it allows their extra man to be more dangerous, I think he's got to give it a shot, you know. And even though the early indications are, at least the media releases from Brown and from Lars, are that he's not going to play, you know, I, I got to hope that that is, you know, them trying to throw off some of the Maryland preparation in hopes that he comes out a la Kirk Gibson, you know, Willis Reed for the people that were alive in the early 70s. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I expect him to walk onto the field and give it a shot. You know, whether or not he's able to be effective or not, that remains to be seen. Um, you know, I think, obviously, he's the best player in the country. He's proved that. So they're going to take a hit if he can't play. Um you know, I think my greatest concern is really who's going to create slides in settled six-on-six situations for the Bears if Dylan Malloy isn't able to play. I mean, they're going to have to go to speed guys. And, um, you know, he right. affects the game in, in all areas. He, he makes the right pass every time. He finishes seemingly every time. And then he makes a bunch of plays that nobody on the planet can make except probably Casey Powell. And, <laughs> it, and and he just gives everybody a ton of swagger and a ton of energy. It's like he walks in and it's like immediately the whole team's in a nightclub. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Right? It is true. I mean, my thing is, is 
you know, it, it, first off, Tillman did say they prepared for him. They think, and Tillman said, quote, today on Twitter, they said they, he thinks they're going to shoot him up and numb him up, and he's going to go out there and just, you know, give him that push, that emotional push that they need, uh, much, to, much like, uh, you know, Michael Quinn did for Yale, of course. Uh, but I, I, I do agree with you that it's hard. Who covers him at that point, right? You're like, damn, is he, is he really like going to be an impact? Is he not? Do we put our number one cover guy on him? Do we not? You know, it, it puts a lot of like mental stress on a team like Maryland. But if I'm Brown, and maybe you can, you can obviously you know the team better than I do, ATA. But if I'm Brown, I would play faster than I have. Because exactly what you said, who's going to break down Maryland six on six? So screw six on six. Play faster and let let your boys shoot tons of shots in transition. Maryland can't stop transition. It doesn't matter. It's the hardest thing to do defensively is to stop transition. So keep those guys on the field. You, you, you I like it. I like. I like it. I like. I like where your head's at, and I agree. You know, no matter what, whether Bill Malloy's in uniform or not, they're going to have to score in transition off the off face off success and off of the saves of Jack Kelly. And if they, don't, if, yeah. they don't, if they don't bury those shots at the end of those transition opportunities, they're not going to win whether Joe Malloy is playing or not. Um, That's you know, true. So, that I, is so true. I'm with you. I, I, like, I like where your head's at. And, you know, I don't, you, I don't know if, you know, if there is an 11 on the knob for them, uh, you know, right. to quote the dude from Spiral Tap. But if there is, right. I, I can assure you that Lars and Kerwin and, and Kip and these guys are going to have those guys playing at that rate. We can only be so lucky to have you dead on with your assessment of Phil Malloy playing in uniform. I mean, the fans, if, if Phil's is right and they shoot him up and they throw him out there, um, you know, and, and there's every reason to believe that that is going to be the case. And I hate to put pressure on the kid, but let's face it. This kid is Get out having, there. Let's do it. Yeah, why not? You know, the worst that can happen is <laughs> – is that he can't go and he ends up going, you know, three and three. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, so love, we'll see. I love the Brown alum. The worst you, know, you can I, do, come on, man, just show up there, get on the field. The worst you're going to do is like five I, and five, right? If, if, he, if, <laughs> if, he doesn't, if he doesn't play our game, I could tell you right now, or even if he is in uniform, this immediately makes Jack Kelly. That's so true. The most, the Jack Kelly and Will Crawl, but Jack Kelly even more so. The most important sets him up to be the tournament's most outstanding player. If Brown Sports are enough to win tomorrow and go on and compete on Monday, and ideally win that as well. Well, AT, we're going to get to our picks in a couple minutes, uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's go to the rumor mill. Of course, um, you know so much has been talked about Starja. You know he was fired, AT, and then he came back. He got the three-year extension, and then then he was fired again. I mean. What was going on with UVA's athletic department? I felt like, at minimum, at least Princeton, you know, fired Chris Bates. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. This whole situation with Dom and what's going on there is kind of crazy. What, what were your thoughts there going back and forth? You know what? I, I, I talked to uh, a couple of Virginia alums in the last, you know, week or so, and the consensus yep. was that nobody was surprised that Dom wasn't brought back for next year. Everyone was disappointed with the way that the University of Virginia's athletic department leaked his situation. You know, that, that disrespect or that sloppiness, I think, is really what disappointed everybody that cares about Dom Stargy as the man and follows the success or hopeful success of Virginia's lacrosse program. So 
you know, so, did they, the so did the they pull like an NFL? Did they pull an NFL and try to get like public opinion before they actually went through it? Was that no, that was some of the, that, that that was some of the speculation. And let's let's face it, our sport's never been at a loss for speculation, irresponsible or responsible, <laughs> right? And and the speculation was that they tested the waters in quotes by leaking out that uh. they weren't going to bring them back, only to have the alumni snap and make a ton of calls. And you know, I don't believe, I just don't believe that. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was anything other than, you know, some sloppy tool that leaked the information, you know, irresponsibly. And that's, that's what happened. So I, I don't know. I, I don't believe it was a set play by the UVA administration. I don't, I don't believe that at all. Well, in either case, there's got to be a replacement AT. I have no rumors. I mean, other than, you know, what we've already stated in our prior podcast, like some candidates that we thought clearly UVA is open to anyone. If you're a head coach, if you're Dave Petromalik, you, you would turn your head and look at UVA job. If you are, uh, you know, even Bill Tierney, and I know he ain't going to go anywhere because, but you would still have to turn your head as Bill Tierney because UVA is such a powerful job out there. What have you heard in terms of, uh, you know, potential candidates for the job? You know, what I've heard is that, Everything goes across Kevin Corrigan's desk first. And as a Virginia alum, as a head coach who has clearly proved he's one of the very best in the business, you know, I I think it makes sense. You know, I think it makes sense. Depending upon the interest there, you know, this could be a very, very short process. Um, Right. You know, uh, but assuming that Kevin doesn't have interest, you know, then you start to look at Andy Shea and Charlie Toomey, and Laura Stephanie, and a bunch of other of the top-tier Division I current head coaches, and then that puts some pressure on their respective administrations to see if they step up and their alumni group step up and make it financially um, impossible for those guys to leave their current situations. And then beyond that, now you're starting to look at super top-tier head assistants out there. You know, obviously that group would, you know – be Jerry Byrne, be Matt Brown, uh, you know, maybe Ronnie Caputo, obviously Dave Metzbauer would be a guy you would look at, um, you know, and, and I think that does Mark Van, does Mark Van have a shot? You know, that's an interesting question. I, I, I feel confident that Mark Van could do a good job there. Um, yeah. But we don't know. We don't know how much of a final say Mark Van had in things. I mean, in terms of, you know, smarts, to make an argument, Mark Mark Van's the most intellectual, smartest guy in college coaching. I mean, he's a really, really right, right. good, humble guy, hardworking. You know, uh, it wasn't too long ago that, you know, he was regarded as the best offensive mind in the sport. And I can't believe right. that he's forgotten that much lacrosse in four years. Um, you know, and <laughs> there's a lot, and, yeah, and, and there's a lot, of, and there's a lot of dynamics that go into fielding a successful team. Everything has to go right for your program to win, and, and a, a thing or two could go wrong, and you lose it immediately. You know, you're a terrible coach again, or you don't know anything about the sport. I mean, you know how it is. I right. know how it is. I hate that. Certainly, I hate that. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. But you know what? Um, you know, that's 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 part of the job description. So, right. I, I think that Virginia would be lucky to get a guy like Mark Van Arsdale. Um, you yep. know, whether or not he has a realistic chance, I just, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would imagine that they will go after a substantial list of candidates before they visit that as a situation that they're willing to entertain. 
Speaking well, what of do you think? Uh, what do you think? What do you think? You, you know, I, 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 I just think that before, you know, the four guys you mentioned, Lars, Toomey, um, you know, I feel like there are a bunch of other head coaches out there uh, before they would get to the assistant coaches, you know, with the exceptions of the ones that you mentioned, which are basically, I mean, for more intensive person, all intensive persons, those guys are head coaches. I mean, that's really what those head assistant coaches, I mean, they really are, especially those guys you just mentioned. I feel like people don't even really think of them as assistant coaches, more as head coaches that have just stayed where they are because for various different reasons, they just haven't elected to take an open spot yet. Cause we all know they've all been offered jobs, but I sure. still think guys like, you know, Natalie and, and, you know, you and I were talking off air. We were talking about how Natalie came out in lacrosse magazine or inside lacrosse. I forget which article it was. Maybe even it was, uh, you know, the tiger times, whatever Towson's paper is, uh, where he literally, the whole article was about how he was going to stay there and how he built something over, you know, 11 years or whatever it might be. I think that's probably what it is at this point and how his wife is embedded in the university, how he's embedded himself in the university. Um, but you got to figure guys like him um, getting opportunities to look at, you know, a, a Virginia um, or say Princeton, which kind of transit, you know, puts us into another whole thing. And speaking of substantial, substantial candidates, it seems like Princeton is doing an incredible amount of due diligence to make sure that the next head coach is the proper fit, um, you know, for the institution. You know, we've heard multiple uh, rumors of interviews already happening from Copeland to Gate. Now we're hearing Volks, which is a great uh, interview great to have. Greg Raymond, another one, which, Dan Sheehan, you know, right. Dan Sheehan, potentially correct. I know you've heard that one too. My, my thing is, is this only makes sense because as teams drop out of the tournament and they, you know, finish up their due diligence with their own programs, I mean, that's when, that's when Princeton's going to go ahead and set things up. Um, and it's a great idea. If you're an athletic department, that's how you should do it. I remember when BU started their program and they were going through the interview process you know, there were a ton of interviews, and those guys got on the road. Uh, and, you know, Lynch um, and the associate athletic director there, uh, they got on the road and went around all over the place, uh, Merrick Kelly, that's his, that's his name, uh, to interview a bunch of candidates, assistants, head coaches. Uh, they wanted to learn about the sport. They wanted to learn about the guys in the sport, you know, what Marks. they were making, what, what they had to do to convince them. So when the time was right, which is exactly what happened. They went after the guys that were in the tournament, Shamati's, Polies, and they got their guy in, in Ryan Poley. Um, you know, Gabrielli was another one that was on their target list. But they had a lot of information going into that process to nail down their guy that they wanted. And I think Princeton is kind of doing that same thing, which is a really, really good idea. Um, and so when people are like, talking about all these interviews and things and the rumor mills going around and going crazy. Well, it's like, Oh no, this new guy. Well, well, Princeton's doing their due diligence, but you can bet, you can bet that there are more candidates that they're going to want to interview, especially now with the final four. And you got about another week, but who have you heard in terms of, or what are your thoughts on the Princeton situation? Well, I, I, I echo your sentiment completely. And frankly, I think that every athletic department that's going to hire somebody that's going to be in charge of the livelihood as people, as students, as athletes in that order, you know, should have a responsibility to do that same level of due diligence. And I don't think that's happening, right. uh, you know, the way that it's happening there. So I credit Princeton's 
administration like that, you know, maybe they're trying to step up after we call them out on the In Your Face podcast <laughs> for dropping right. the ball with Batesy. <laughs> if that's because right, they, have right. character, they have more character than I gave them credit for. Um, you know, the other end of that, the other side of that equation, R.D., is think about how enthusiastic every single candidate is when they hear that so they're true. able to get an interview. Because, look, that's even if so they don't true. get the job, now they're able to put some fear into their own respective administrations that that's says, right. hey, I'm interviewing for the Princeton job, and now all the alums get nervous, and the recruits get nervous. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, it, and it's, you know what, I really, really want to stay at College A, <laughs> but College P wants me to come down to an interview. <laughs> you know, I just am looking out for the best interest of my family and their quality of life, and then you wait That's to right. use, use silence as a tool, and sure enough, well, how about if we bought your salary 25000 Will you pull out of that interview? You know what? I actually like it here in City Boring. I think I'll stay here. Right? No hidden messages in there, right. RD. No hidden messages. No, that's so true. It's so true. So, you know, Princeton's certainly helping out a lot of bank accounts. That's for sure. Uh, and then reaching out. Uh, But at the same time, you know, it it is the right thing for an institution to do. Uh, And I think that a lot of people may and may may not have learned a lot from what BU did when they interviewed across the planet uh, when they were starting their process. It's it's also, it's also, Artie, it's also the right thing for the coaches to do, right? I mean, everybody, listen, everybody everywhere should always be looking to improve their, their family's quality of life. Always, every single That's right. time. You know, you, you can always say, no, that job isn't for right. me, but you, they, right. they should be looking at everything. Now, it's sort of the unwritten rule for college lacrosse coaches is that if you are an assistant coach, no problem. You know, you can go out and you can aggressively pursue jobs. But it's a sort right, of an right. unwritten no-no for college coaches to reach out to these athletic directors to express interest because that tells their current situation that they're looking for a greener pasture which is you know uh, hypocritical when you look when you're looking at it you know uh in the picture of the athletic directors who it seems right. like you know, wh- wh- where does that happen and then they have to hide their interest in another job from the president of the college i mean let's just get it right. out on the table and put everything out right. in front of everybody so everybody knows and if you know if if, if college a doesn't want to lose their coach to college b then man up and, you know, but put everything above the table. It's the back room deal that, you know, makes so true. these dealings dark and, and, and leaves people feeling deceived. And that's unfortunate. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, it mimics the whole, like, uh, Dave Cottle getting fired at Maryland after going, what, 12 and 4 or something like that, 13 right. and 4 or 5. And right. then she leaves six months later. She, she, she literally affected the livelihood of a coach. You know, right. out of almost it felt like spite for her to be like, peace, going to NC State. See ya. See what is the deal with that? She, she fires Dave Cottle, and then she splits right. to NC State. Dave Cottle should go to her house around Christmas time and take the present <laughs> from her tree and then leave a note that says, we're even. She <laughs> <laughs> should. What's the purpose of it? Uh, so true. What was her name? Debbie Downer or Debbie Yao? Debbie, like yeah, Debbie, Debbie Downer. Sue or something. How about Debbie, yeah, Downer, Debbie Downer? Debbie Downer. Right. Oh, but you know, it, 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 coming to the whole unwritten rule, it's at towers. I, 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 you know, I've, I, you know, with the new contracts that are coming out with these head coaches, a lot of these contracts are stipulating that they cannot 
openly or apply for jobs. And that a lot of these contracts now are saying that, you know, we'll give you five jobs that you could apply to That's if right. they become open. And, right. and if they're not part of the five, like, for instance, if you said and you sat down and you were like, you know, I got the job at, uh, I don't know, Vanderbilt. Let's just say Vanderbilt has a program. And it's like, well, I'm not on the top of the tier here. But, you know, if Duke comes up, UVA comes up, uh, Notre Dame comes up, and, you know, you right. can pick those three. Brown, Brown, yet, Brown or an ACC school, like if I was at. Right, 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 yeah, right, exactly. right. So it, it only goes to show that, like, our, our sport now needs agents. It now needs agents well, to facilitate that conversation. Definitely does. Casino does agent, right? You know, and definitely. I'm, I'm more very sure he does. Guys. And you know what? That's that's what happens as the as the salaries increase, as the pressure on these guys to win increases. It makes sense that they need to know, protect themselves. They, they got to protect themselves. Yep, and that's exactly that's right. right. That's right. Well, let's move on, uh, AT. Uh, any other job rumors? I'll let it out. I don't, I don't know much about Vermont. I heard, actually, uh, uh, Stephen Brundage uh, was on an interview to Vermont. Uh, yeah. What a great guy he is. Uh, he is. He's, he's a great a guy. He's, friend he, of mine. Says he's a, he says he's a good ping-pong player, but no. I, I, I've offered made myself available to play him in ping-pong many times, and he somehow doesn't follow through. <laughs> so I, I love him as a guy. He's absolutely a stud coach, but I question his uh, ping pong ability until I see it first time. <laughs> well, hopefully ping pong's not on the U- UVM's uh, you know list of qualifications. Or maybe, or maybe for maybe for maybe for Brundo, hopefully it is. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but a guy uh, like so, him definitely needs to be yeah. talked to, talked about as well. well yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, he he would be phenomenal. Uh, I frankly think they have their best candidate right there in house right now, Mike Kruger. And that's not a knock on Brundo. That's not a knock on anybody else. I just think that part of the struggle for UVM is that, you know, they get reluctant candidates, meaning they want guys that, or they get guys that are dying to be a head coach, but aren't dying to be in Vermont. And right. if they think they want to be in Vermont, it, it takes them just a few minutes before they realize that after they get out of the car <laughs> and they put their arm around their wife and they say, wow, this is beautiful. And they both wait five minutes in silence, and then they say, now what? And they'll be doing and, – and the problem is that that dynamic kicks in with everybody, but Mike Kruger wants to be in Burlington. And they've got a guy right. that, you know, knows the program in and out, knows all the prospects, knows the way it works internally, knows the compliance of the place, is familiar with the league, wants to be there, you know, his personality, uh, you know, goes sort of hand-in-hand hand with, the, with the vibe of Burlington – Yet he's also, you know, sort of a hard-ass disciplinarian, which is what that program has needed forever, what Curtis is, was able to put in there. And now he's got kids in there that are receptive to building that as a characteristic of the culture, you know, up there. So I frankly think their, their best candidate is currently on that staff, and that's Mike Kruger. But who knows? We'll see what happens. That's a great point. I do know that I feel like Vermont is going to try, just like many other athletic departments, especially when they put so much effort into their spring sport, which for Vermont's sake is lacrosse. Um, they want to make a big right. and splash spring, out and there. Spring lasts, spring lasts a full week here up there. Let's face it, <laughs> you know, and that's almost a week longer than their summer is, and it's an equal week to fall. And then before you know it, you got forty-nine more months of winter, right? As we said before, Ryan, uh, up there, the only thing cold of the weather up there are the people. 
Oh, that's a good one. We're going to move on to our picks, AT, and, and I'm glad you didn't say who is going to win, but here's the deal. You've got two picks to make. Maryland yep. is favored by a goal and a half on Brown. Who do you got in this one? And if you're putting all your money in Vegas on this line, where are yep. you going? Well, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to use the asterisk situation. I think that Dill Malloy oh, is. I think Dill, Dill Malloy is going to dress. I think he's going to have an impact on the game. I hope it's a great impact. But I am yep. calling it right now. I think Will Garall and Alec Tullett and Larkin Kemp win upward of 65% of the faceoffs against an outstanding group in Austin Henningsen and his athletic wings. I think yep. Jack Kelly has the game of his life. And I'm going to call 18-plus saves, and I got Brown. Not only to cover, I got Brown to, in white, to win outright and set Brown Nation on fire. I got the Bruins. Wow. I've got the Terrapins, and I've got the Terrapins because I just – I just I know all those guys are going to have great games, but I just think that this is the first game that Brown's going to play that they are just going to – it's not going to be the tempo that they've always wanted, with or without Dylan Moore. It's just not going to be the tempo. And I think there's an experience factor that Maryland already has. Now, if Brown played anyone at UNC, they played Loyola, I would have had Brown easy, with or without Dylan Malloy. But I just think that this experience factor is going to kick in and then also if Brown won, I'd have them winning the national championship because Brown doesn't really need to practice. I mean, Lars goes out there, high fives and chest bumps every day, the best players in the country. <laughs> He's got like five first-team All-Americans on his team. You know, he struck he around. All he needs is one day, you know, to high five and say, hey, guys, we're playing Loyola today. And everyone's like, ah, oh, we got him, we got him. And you're going to blow him out by five goals. But with this right. team against the Terrapins, I really feel like an experience factor. And I also feel like – this whole pace, the pace that they're normally used to playing, is going to disappear with Rambo, Cole, um, you know, the whole crew. I mean, they've really got six guys in Maryland that can really control the outcome of the game offensively that I don't think Brown has seen all season. So um, I've got the Terrapins, but I do like the fact that you took your – you didn't go, well, if they have Dylan Malloy, I've got Brown, and if they don't, well, I'll take Maryland on the, on the, on the line. Uh, no, so I'm, glad no. I'm, going, I'm going right out. I think that Brown is going to win in a way. I think they're going to still play the same style. Don't get me wrong, but I think the reason why they win, they're not going to they're not going to win a 15 to 14 game. I think they win a right. lower scoring game, and I think it's due to MVPs Will Garall and Jack Kelly in the net. I like it. Next game, your boy from the Tar Heels, Carolina, goes up against. Number seven seed, Loyola. It's a pick em game, real easy. Who do you got? You got the Tar Heels or you got the Greyhounds? And Hanford's going to be awfully pissed when you pick the Tar Heels because I think you're already going to do it. Well, you know <laughs> what? Uh, I, I am taking the Tar Heels in this game. And the reason I am is because my, I'm confident Stephen Kelly is going to not only dominate the faceoff X, I think he's going to be able to control the game down the stretch, which is what he's done against, you know, some of the best teams in the country, in particular Notre Dame. And I think that that's going to ultimately wear out Loyola. I, I think that Pat Spencer is the best offensive player in the field. And I think that Pontrello is right behind him, but Pat Spencer is a playmaker. You know, he's a goal and assist guy. If they slide early, he's going to make you pay with his vision. If they don't slide, he's going to make you pay off the dodge. 
With that right. said, I just don't believe his supporting cast is as strong as Pontrello's. And I think that, you know, uh, when teams score goals, Carolina's going to be getting the ball first three out of every four times that that happens. And in the end, I think that's going to play, uh, you know, have a negative effect on Loyola's depth, and I think it's going to be too much. Um, I expect another big game out of Brian Balcom. The other thing, which is kind of a strange dynamic, is that you look at Jake Stover, right? The kid's a total stud. I want to say he's, you know, won 10 straight as, uh, you know, as a starter for the Greyhounds. Yep, yep. Uh, he, as, a, as, a, as an MIA kid, He's playing against Carolina as a freshman, stepping in. And, um, you know, I just I see him being a little wide-eyed in this game simply because of who's who of MIA lacrosse. A lot of those guys are on the North Carolina roster. And I think that that is going to, uh, you know, be an emotional hurdle that he's going to have to get over in this game. And by the time he gets over it, I think Carolina's going to be up, and I think they're going to be controlling the game. So I got Carolina. I got the opposite again here. Uh, I just, uh, you know, mostly because I'm going to have to deal with Hanford yelling in my ear, and I just don't want to do it. Um, I'm going to pick the Greyhounds here in a large part because I just think Pat Spencer is just going to literally outscore the Tar Heels tomorrow. I think that he's just literally going to outscore the Tar Heels. And that, yes, I do agree that if there is a pace to be played, that UNC is going to have it. But I think the defense in that kid Stover, as much as you think he might be wide-eyed, I, I mean, the kid doesn't know how to lose. And from that standpoint, not I've so far. I, listen, I, I, not not so far. And listen, Pat Spencer's the first-team All-American. I think he, I think he's earned the status of the second-best player in the country behind Dylan Malloy. Yes, um, and, I agree. And you very, you very well may be right, but I predict that Joe Bresci makes him look like a freshman during this game. <laughs> Well, no, no doubt. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to be at the game. You're obviously going to, I'm going to be with you at the game. We've got box seats, right? Your buddy, your, your uh, brother, Tom, we do. Up with box seats. we do. My wife and kids are driving down right now. And, uh, we're, we are going to be in the, uh, in that section. So we'll be there. Big timing. The Maryland. Team. What, 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 what section is it? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Tickets. My brother got me the tickets. I don't know. <laughs> Well, listen. If you see a six foot, two hundred and fifty pound man, and you see a six foot, two hundred and fifty pound guy, uh, that's probably us. If you see us and you're around Memorial Day weekend, come hang out with us. Give us a high five. Tyrells will give you a chest bump. Uh, that's all for the show today. As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, and you can check us out on Twitter at In Your Face Lax. Uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll, we'll be back. We'll do a quick one on Sunday. What do you think, AT? We'll do a quick one on Sunday as well. Yeah, uh, let's, say, let's 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 see if we can uh, get an alum from each of the participating That's teams, right. and we'll get them on. That, we'll get them online, and we'll ask them a second little question. See if we can turn on, uh, get them to turn on each other. If we can't, if Loyola wins, and we can't get a Hanford. What we'll do is we'll have Copenhagen sponsor it, and then he'll <laughs> and then he'll be on for sure. <laughs> that is so true. So. Bear with us. We're going to be back on Sunday. We're going to bring on two alums from the opposing schools, and we're going to get them all riled up. Uh, but in the meantime, enjoy the Saturday games. Enjoy your Sunday national championship games for D2 and D3, uh, and we'll be back with you in a couple of days. Thanks for the listen. Go Brown. That's it.